This 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 Let's be honest. Talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. I'm Matt Burford. It is my pleasure to speak to Scott Smith in Traverse City, Michigan. Scott is a good friend of mine, been a good friend of mine since 2012. In fact, me and my wife uh, retold a story the other day of me calling her after we moved back to Birmingham and said, hey, I have these two people in my house from Michigan that I met over Facebook. And there was this silence after I said it. And she said, well, okay. Well, come to find out after... I gifted uh, some resources to people in Alabama. I met Scott over a little apologetic group on Facebook when I was still on Facebook, and we have hit it off since. Uh, Scott is has his own business in Traverse City, Michigan. He also is very, uh, I guess, a super member of his church, uh, where he has done a lot of theological training and apologetic training. And in fact, for a short time, Scott even had I guess, uh, an inner city dialogue about theology and probably about everything else uh, in his city uh, with all kinds of folks. So, Scott, thanks for coming on. Good to talk to you, Matt. What was that, Always enjoy it. What was that called, that <laughs> thing that you used to do, the citywide event where you would have kind of like talks and conversations? Well, there's a couple of different things you might be thinking of. One, one was um, there was a, a local pastor that started a group uh, years ago that he called pub theology okay. and that um, they met, uh, met in a bar, a different bar all the time. And it would just be once a week and just talk about, they'd come together a bunch of theological questions, but not necessarily Christian, like predominantly not Christian. So Scott's um, got a unique perspective because he did spend some time in the South. He uh, has dialogued with me about um, the Southern culture. And of course he's lived in, in Michigan, which I would consider the, was Midwest, North. That's what they say. Yeah, yes, even though I would consider Nebraska Midwest, but, well, hey, whatever. Um, I don't make the rules. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't make the rules. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, because me and you talk uh, probably weekly. If not, then there's something probably wrong. Um, what do you think? Uh, you've gone through um, all kinds of apologetic training. You've, you've taught apologetics and theology. Uh, I asked Jonathan Morrow this question this morning. I'd be interested to see uh, what you think of the current state of apologetic training in the U.S. Where do you where do you think it is? Like within churches, you mean, or what? Yeah. So, where would it be in terms of churches? Is it non-existent? Are we better off than we were when me and you first met in two thousand one? I mean, where are we in in using apologetics in the local church? I would suspect that in churches that are predisposed some way that have some kind of somebody planted in the church, a, a uh, you know, apologetics nerd, uh, somebody with an interest, uh, whatever, if, if they've already got a bent or a, some kind of resources like that, that they probably are doing better than they were before. But I would imagine that most churches probably aren't drastically different than they were back before the the, the apologetics movement, whatever that was, whenever that was kind of the big deal. Well, what do you think? I'm sure it, it varies, but 
But what do you think the state of evangelism? I mean, with modern culture moving away from, I guess, Christianity is the default norm of most people. I mean, there was a new article out on Drudge a couple of days ago where now new statistics are showing that most people are saying that they're either atheist or agnostic when it comes to religious kind of uh, truths. Uh, so where are we in terms of talking about the faith in the public? Oh, gosh. Well, as a, as a culture, I think we are probably, from, from what I see anyway, we're probably, well, we're certainly worse off. The conversations we have are, are probably less informed and less civil, in the, and that's not better in the church. It's probably as bad or even sometimes worse in the church. I think in a lot of cases, we're just not informed about topics and don't really care how we come across a lot of the time. But, uh, yeah, as far as, you know, if if apologetics is an end in itself, then there's people that are knocking it out of the park. Um, And I don't want to rip on apologetics because I've I've got a lot of affection for it and, and, you know, good good experiences with it. But at the same time, if if apologetics is to serve a purpose, I'm not sure that it's, at least in my experience, the circles I run in, I don't see it serving a purpose of evangelism a whole lot. Well, what about apologetics? Uh, um, uh, what about evangelism itself? I mean, how is how are you speaking about the faith uh, to people in Traverse City? That is a good question. Uh, you know, mostly it's you know there's there's some one on one, and a lot for me, a lot of it is online, kind of pushing the envelope on. Facebook, that's where I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people and start conversations that end up getting carried offline, you know, end up having conversations with people uh, in real life, you know, that start on Facebook because I'll, you know, kind of kind of push questions and things like that. But, man, beyond that, that's, I just don't see, you know, I, I don't know what all happens in other people's conversations, but it just doesn't seem like it's a big thing in the church. No, not really. Of course, even down here, we have a history of door-to-door evangelism and knocking on doors. In fact, uh, the organization that I work with outside of Tactical Faith um, is gearing up for a whole two- or three-day event called Crossover, uh, where we kind of circle out the Birmingham metro area, and at least Southern Baptist churches that are coming for the convention are coming down. There's going to be a lot of door-to-door Kind of allowing people to uh, see what's going on the week the week after uh, when the convention comes and let people know that that you know there's going to be an emphasis in Christianity you know and then they're invited to come be a part of it. Uh, but other than that, I haven't seen much much evangelism of that type in a long time. Uh, and we actually I had the pleasure of over the weekend going to Florence, Alabama, and witnessing what they call the SOS team, which are uh-huh. well-meaning. Uh, Christian men, uh, mostly older, um, who are trying to reach people in these public spaces during like runs or parades or whatever, any kind of kind of public mark, you know, any, anything in the marketplace. And they're going over there and trying to start conversations just with mm-hmm. just with, you know, just normal people that are just walking by and they'll come over and just uh, ask them if they'd like to come in and look at this little board they have. And then they just ask them simple questions uh, about God. And, you know, one of them is God can't lie. One says God can't change. The other one says God can't, uh, make you go to heaven. And then they spin this thing around that says, are you, you know, 10% sure, 50% sure, or 70% sure you're going to be in heaven when you die. Now that's yeah. old school type evangelism, right? <laughs> um, yeah. 
So in my mind, I'm trying to figure out where are we um, in the state of Alabama, and I would love just to to ask people all around the country that are Christians, where are we in terms of reaching people for the faith? I would say generation, well, at least the millennial generation, it has been shown through Barna, they they actually think it's immoral to try to change uh, on a hold now, but it's right. immoral to change somebody's mind when it comes to religious issues. So evangelism is a bad word. Um, but is it a bad word? I mean, what do you think? Well, of course it's not a bad word, but it's, you know, there's good and bad ways of doing it. And sure. it, so, some of them are just good and bad outright, and others are going to be good and bad. Well, it could be a culture, you know, north to south or or conservative to, to uh, more liberal areas. Some of them are just with time. You know, you talk about the door-to-door thing. That was huge once upon a time, you know, and is it is it still big now? You know, I'm sure there's places where it still works now. Uh, I can't imagine it working here. Um, I mean, if somebody has success in it, fantastic. But um, but around here, I mean, I see somebody coming that's, you know, we just had a guy come by the other day that's trying to start an investment company. He wants to know if, you know, he can come in and talk to me about my portfolio. It's like, I, no, I don't want another person to come here. I mean, I just got home. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure. Uh, you know, I know that wouldn't work here, but if it works, great. But you know, it's a it's a tough topic. It, uh, we, uh, you and I were talking. I was talking to some other friends last week about similar things about you know the whole topic of being radical or whatever, which is kind of comes up. You know, you having a radical faith, and what are you really doing to knock it out of the park for Team Jesus, whatever that is? And you know, it, people talk. When when I grew up, the radical things were the people who would you know, sell everything and go live in a mission or they would, you know, do all these, these things, you know, give all their money to such and such, whatever. And those are still, can still be noble things and, and are things that need doing in a lot of cases. But, you know, with what I was, I've been thinking about is anymore, it feels to me like it's radical. If anyone knows that you're a believer and not only that you're a believer, but if you could actually, and not that you're banging, you know, beating people up at work, but if someone were to talk to you at work or on the way home from work on the bus or whatever, you're talking to somebody and they say something about, about being a Christian, could, would you say that you are one? And could you say what that means? And I don't mean that, you know, some, you know, you know, systematic theology recitation or something, but just, can you, can you explain the gospel to somebody and would you, and do people know that you're a believer? And I, that's something I wonder about. I think that's something we're just really super complacent about. And, you know, so who's going to evangelize, especially to a culture that doesn't want to be talked to and think it's immoral to try and change people when they don't know what they believe and they're not terribly confident in, in being able to explain it to somebody or even say that they believe it because they're panicking about not knowing how to explain it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I often think that you're going to speak about things that you love. I mean, yep. I made that note on the podcast with Jonathan Morrow. I mean, you, you're whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you're in a marketplace with a bunch of people and you get into conversations, you're going to eventually get to something that you're interested in. Sure. You know, it's just for some reason we have categorized faith and religious questions in this little so subjective and personal compartment that we're not allowed yeah. to share it like it's so personal that it, we don't either a want to make somebody mad or b 
It's just we don't feel like it's it's necessarily our place to to speak about those things that are so uber personal. Um, yeah. But but that's not what Christianity is, right? I mean, Christianity is a real thing. It's an objective thing. It's something that we're commanded as true believers in Christ, and He sits on the on the throne presently. He's calling yep. us, at least when I say us, the church to be His representative. Part of that is speaking about Him. It's it's showcasing Him. It's it's finding is finding places and times to either show Christ through your hands in service or through vocally through preaching or evangelism. And it's done. Yeah. It's got to be done more than just behind the pulpit. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed, oh, for sure. That's why I enjoyed the apologetic world and how we got to meet because it seems more often than not those in the apologetic world um, were at least willing to go out and talk. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now you, there's always bad things and good things with, with anything, but I, I enjoy the chutzpah of some of those people that I've met um, in the apologetic For world sure. that, that just want to get in there and, and it, you know, now I Now sometimes and they people would, that want to get informed because they want to, because they have a passion for the subject and for, and for Christ, they want to get involved. So they're not afraid of having those conversations. Yeah, Exactly. So there has to be a, it has to be a heart issue uh, yeah. when it comes to not wanting to. I don't know when we say things not at least down here when you say people don't want to evangelize, especially Christians. It's automatically thought of as oh because you're not prepared to speak about your faith. Um, yeah, it just seems like a backwards way to talk about evangelism. Uh, for yeah. me, if a church is not is not at least being a light to its community either through hands and service or vocally through a gospel presentation. There's something else going on <laughs> before we start yeah. offloading some sort of, you know, uh, package deal to teach them how to share their faith. Maybe, maybe they need a, maybe they need a revival. <laughs> well, and you know, you're. It's not like we're saying you guys need to get out there and you know, elaborate on the intricacies of eschatology with everybody. You know, sure. the, the gospel ain't that complicated. <laughs> no, now, not that not that that many people understand it. They grew up in church even. But for crying out loud, it, it's not that tough to get it down. Why aren't you talking about that? And, you know, I wonder when you talk about evangelism being hard, you said before that people talk about what they're, what they're interested in, what they're passionate about. So what, what do people take away and if they find out eventually that you're a believer and you never, never said anything about it, what does that tell them? You know, that you're not interested or you just don't really believe, you know, that much of passion or you don't care about them. I, mean, I don't know. What are, what are the options? And yeah. the, the other thing that I don't, you know, when people say they're not prepared, I get it because that is a real thing. And I, I understand that the, um, the apprehension about talking to somebody and knowing you're going to get cornered. But that's for one, that's an easy thing to get around. And that's that's easy training. But the, the other thing about not wanting to offend people or getting something uncomfortable I don't buy that. Uh, I mean, look at look at politics today. True. Regardless what, <laughs> what side of the Trump movement you're on, you're on a side. And there's nobody that goes, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have an opinion. Uh, <laughs> everybody yeah. does. Yeah, that, and what and a, they don't wait and go. Somebody doesn't say, well, what do you think about the wall? Or, you know, a pro wall, against the wall, whatever. Nobody goes, you know, I don't really. Uh, I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people will say, I don't really have an informed opinion about that. You know, I, I don't really ha- haven't really researched immigration enough to say anything because I'm afraid that we'll get into a conversation I'm out of my depth. 
No one does that. What a perfect thing to say. Nobody says they're agnostic about politics. No. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I want to talk about whoever the latest, you know, somebody who says something moronic or or is misrepresented saying that or touches somebody or has some awkward encounter. Everybody's an instant expert and wants to talk about it. Uh, I'm not saying that's appropriate, but for people to say they're uncomfortable or they don't feel equipped to talk about something, I go, ah, yeah, you seem to be get over it okay in some settings. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I'd love to have you on more. Uh, in fact, I'm going to because you know why? Because I control the board. Um, not only the <laughs> physical board, but I control the board of Tactical Faith. Uh, I'm just, all the boards I'm, belong to you. All the boards belong to me. Uh, we got an interesting discussion uh, about The Highwaymen. Uh, I told you about it. It's a show yeah. that's on Netflix. And uh, I wanted to get into that a little bit because I think it's just fun uh, to talk about uh, things, especially when it yeah. comes to movies and TV shows because I'm, I'm a big movie nerd. I always have been. Uh, for those who don't know, there's a, there's a uh, semi-new show, or it's a movie out. Movie. two-hour movie, movie yeah. uh, called The Highwaymen. And it's on Netflix for those who have Netflix. It has Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson, uh, Kathy Bates. Uh, the director was uh, John Hancock, uh, which is he's an interesting dude. Um, he's done like The Blind Side, and he did Saving Mr. Banks and The Rookie, uh, Snow White and the Hunter Hunts, whatever that was. That was a horrible movie. Uh, but there was something really fun about The Highwaymen. Um, that so so much fun that I told you, hey, you gotta go check it out. I'm I'm rarely in a position where I can tell you things to watch because you're always giving me good <laughs> stuff to watch. Um, what did you like about that show? And I, I well, let me tell you. First, the reasons I liked it is because it's rare. It's getting rarer to find two-hour movies that are gritty and real and deal with and deal with uh, n- not very pretty subjects. And the Highwaymen's about getting old. It's about yep. death. It's about um, all kinds of issues. And it has two strong male leads who are older and dying and not really good at what they do anymore. And they're going <laughs> after uh, Bonnie and Clyde, but it's seen from their perspective. So these are Texas Rangers that have come out of retirement, and they are they are tasked, and this is based on a true story, to go after the outlaw of Bonnie and Clyde. And Bonnie and Clyde are not seen in a romantic way, by the way. It's not romanticized at all. In fact, you don't They're see them. They're not even seen. You it's don't see them until the very end. Yeah, I know. Which I really appreciated. Yeah. Why, why do you think that was? Why do you think you took that liberty of seeing you know, it? It was till the very end because I wondered early on: Are they just saving money on actors? You know, or what? What's going on here? And I. I, my only thought at the end, and I, I just finished it today, so I, I like to kind of chew on movies for a while, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to think about this one, but I did really like it. it my my one thought was, I wonder if there's anything kind of uh, an echo of the let's not let's not show pictures or even say names of school shooters, that whole movement. You know, I wonder if it's similar to that. Like, let's not glorify these guys and even show what they look like. Oh, I see. Sure. I, I don't know. That's just spitballing, but it – you don't see him until the very end, which is very grisly. And, yeah. uh, I don't, well, for those who know your history, uh, spoiler alert, they die and they die right. horribly. And, uh, <laughs> and, it shouldn't and, surprise anyone. In fact, they, they get, they get, um, so they get shot at multiple times so much so that they would never be able to go through a metal detector again. Um, I mean, they definitely are full of, of lead. They die of lead poisoning. We'll just put it to you That's that true. way. Uh, but they what die. was remarkable about, 
remarkable about the whole experience for me is I'm I'm in the day of CGI, in the day of these huge like movies, and I'm not talking about the multi TV. We we get really good drama in the multi, kind of the the multi episode episodic kind of adventures on Netflix, um, you know that are like TV shows. Uh, but we rarely get a two hour, two hour and twelve minute movie anymore that's not CJ CGI'd up and yep. it dealing with a really interesting kind of dark, gritty subject. And uh, and I just appreciated it. There was something about it that was that just rang true. Now I'm not yep. saying you wouldn't want to go sit with it and watch it with your eight year old. I'm just saying it was an adult movie for adults. And we just don't yep. get that much anymore. No, you're right. And an adult movie, I appreciate too. As far as I can remember, I don't think there's any nudity, sex, adult topics other than going to kill people, um, which is kind of a kind of desensitized to now. But I mean, there there's really not much. Probably some language, but I mean, it's it's pretty tame by today's movie standards, honestly. But but yeah, I like when it comes to movies. I I don't have much time for the, you know, the the superhero or the the comics or whatever there's just there's just so much of that now and it's something that's dark that makes you think for a long time i mean i like the ones that make you just think why'd they do that what what's the worldview here what's the what's the motivation character development stuff that make you really really think about them you know And, and this one this is one of those yeah and frank who's the character that kevin costner or the real life historical character that that kevin costner um yep dealt with i mean he was He's who I think my grandfather was, or at least his father. That oh, yeah. that generation that was brought up, those two generations that were brought up during World War One and World War Two, that were so willful. Yeah. Uh, they were probably would have considered themselves Christian. Um, yep. I don't know if he was a Christian. I just mean they grew up in a Christian culture, a very hard nosed uh, reality, like grounded culture. And Kevin yeah. Costner, who's the hero of this movie at least kind of is right. a guy who's not at all conflicted. At least he doesn't come across as conflicted with the, yeah, with the people you he wonder. to kill. Cause he has a job to do. Right. And he's still, oh, yeah, he, he's not conflicted about, about killing him. Uh, well, he's not conflicted about that. It has to be done. No. And he's is. the man to do it. But, but you wonder there's, there's plenty of times where he's pensive. He's, there's a scene towards the end where he's sitting on the, on the porch and, and the other guys are having a discussion indoors about him and you know, he can hear it. And, you know, I, I was wondering what he's thinking about that whole conversation. They're talking about him, which, you know, some of the things they're saying weren't the most positive, but it made me think, you know, like the way you're describing your grandpa, I think this is what you're describing. He, he makes me think of a man's man, you know, the old John Wayne kind of thing, but with a little bit of, Oh gosh, what's the word? Um, a little bit of vulnerability that he's not just some kind of a facade. He's a real dude that, yeah, he's a man's man. He goes in and does what, what a man has to do, which in this case is putting down dogs pretty much. There's evil going on. He's got to take care of it. But at the same time, it's not just he's going to go and blow people away and then ride off in the sunset as the hero. I mean, he is in a lot of ways. And he does that, but it's not like a victory. It's at the end. It's like, well, yeah, I had to do this, but this doesn't make me excited that I just ended two people. 
you know it's so it's got that toughness of a of a real dude from the old westerns but there's still uh, at least an implied softness or introspection or something i don't know did you pick that up at all yeah a little bit but it was it was almost to the point where he he was ordered in such a way where he could deal with it and compartmentalize it. Whereas Woody Harrelson's character apparently was like PTSD. You know, he, yeah. he was he had gotten to a point where he was. It was assumed he was an alcoholic. It was yep. assumed that he, you know, his family had broken. He was in a broken type family. He was, yeah, For he sure. apparently very poor, and he was without significant purpose, and he was just waiting to die. And yeah. he was disordered. You know, yeah. as opposed to Kevin Costner, who they show at the very beginning of the movie, he's got this he's got this great marriage, he's got this great house, he's got this great reputation. And even the reputation that of even though he's retired, his past reputation preceded him so much yeah. that other people are like, Oh, well, we need to get Frank back from retirement to get these dudes that nobody can get. Yeah. And so yeah, I agree. I mean, it wasn't for me, I, I long to be that type of person, even if it's I I don't even think it's idle. You know, I, I'm not making. You don't think idol, it's what? Idolized. Uh, what was the oh, word? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'm making a romanticized version of who my grandparents were. I and mean, my grandfather was that dude. Yeah, <laughs> he just was. And yeah. I long to be that kind of Christian, that steely yeah. kind of purpose driven, um, but at the same time somewhat vulnerable. But I want to yeah. be that kind of strength as a man. Yeah. And uh, decisive, I, yeah, yeah, decisive, purpose filled, and uh, then I have that the ordered will to get a job done because I think that's what really men want. <laughs> you know, they want a purpose, and then they want yeah. to be able to get that job done and do it in a way where your emotions are almost secondary. You yeah. know, to the where you, I, it would be interesting to see Kevin Costner's character later after this, this happened to see if he how he dealt with the emotions of that event. I was right. talking with my son the other day, and we were talking about emotions. And I said, well, I'm not saying emotions don't matter. What I'm saying is when you're in the middle of something that's important, you have to reasonably think through it and deal with the emotions later. Because sometimes yeah. the emotions in the heat of something that's significant and, and important will move you off what you need to get done. And then mm -hmm. not to say the emotions aren't legitimate, but you deal with the emotions kind of at another time and another place. You don't you don't let them disappear. Uh, that would be really, really bad. But you at right. least put them in their proper place. And I think those yeah. characters were in their proper place. And I love how Woody Harrelson's character was. He was the same throughout. You know, he was yep. really struggling with who he was. But at the same time, there was a safety in, a, in the purpose about his past life. Like, yep. you know, and there's a lot to say to that with those who are in the Army or in the military who have a purpose and a significance, and then they come back home. Um, yep. For me, that's what a movie should do, and that's what Christian movies should obtain for, um, You know, especially for, for, for the amount of Christian movies that are coming out these days. Uh, they should obtain for that type of reality, where after it's over, you're just like, oh, man. I've got to tell somebody to go watch this. So, oh, for sure. For the, so for those who are listening, go out and uh, get you a Netflix. Uh, or you can email me and I'll get you Scott's password. Exactly. And then, um, Everybody got I, it. I got it on my last pass and I use it for all my stuff. Um, that or we'll get Shannon Poe's um, Hulu account and Netflix account. I'll just I'll post it up on the, on the Tactical Faith page. Well, all right, Scott. Hey, we're at 27 minutes. I'm going to make this a usual maybe once a month. Maybe we should, awesome. me and you should just be the Netflix dudes. 
where we are we are totally breaking down movies because you know that's our background and uh, we have every right to talk about movies because we know so much about movies so don't you agree uh, we're experts at whatever we want to be oh well that's true I, I have the board so that's right I can say anything that I want alright Scott well tell Aubrey we said hello and uh, tell your three uh, darling children uh, that we're thinking of them and at some point you need to come down to Alabama I'm looking forward to it alright see you bud see ya